0: Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast. Making Theology Central.
1: Good afternoon, everyone. It is Monday, June the 6th, 2022. It is currently 4.49 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from Abilene, Texas. We're currently outside it is 105 degrees, 105 degrees, 105. No, you're not hearing me wrong. It's 105 degrees outside here in West Texas. It is, it is way too hot to be outside. There should be no activity going on outside. There should be no one outside. There should be no cars driving down the road. There should be nothing happening out there. But of course, we're in Texas. So while people are going to work and doing their typical thing, 68 degrees, someone lives in an area where it's 68 degrees. I would tell you this. If you live somewhere in the month of June and it's 68 degrees, that's a probably that you're in an unnatural place. Something is not right there. I I would be looking into every conspiracy theory to figure out why it's 68 degrees in the month of June. Something is not right about that. Something... Now, maybe if you're in a different country, but if you're in the United States of America and it's 68 degrees in June at 4:50 p.m. Central Time, there's something that I would be investigating. It's it's the Illuminati, it's the Luciferians, it's the reptilians, uh, it's some, the person, uh, the, the the government agency who secretly assassinated JFK. There's something going on. They're, oh, oh, harp, yeah, that's it, oh. That's a good conspiracy theory. Harp is a great one. Oh, man, I almost forgot about that one. All right. So, yeah, but we're just we're just having a good time. We're just having fun, all right? Because the reason I'm just having a little bit of fun now is to delay what's getting ready to happen. And it's not going to be any fun. It's going to be irritating. It's going to be depressing. It's going to be discouraging. And it's going to make me want to throw my iPad and smash it in a million pieces. And I probably will end up on the floor having a seizure, or I may just r- jump up from the microphone and run outside into the 105 degree heat and melt. Okay. I. I but what we're getting ready to do, no fun at all, at all. all right, but it has to be done. Let me read to you a very important scripture. Now now we're going to get serious. Now we're going to get serious. Just having a little bit of fun because this is going to be unpleasant. All right. Here we go. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you or ye should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. Jude writing somewhere between 55 to 80 AD, somewhere around that time, 55, 70 AD. Jude was going to write to the people at the church and tell them, hey, I'm going to talk about the common salvation. But he realized that there was a need. There was a need to try to encourage the people in the church. Hey guys, I need you guys to contend for the faith that was once delivered unto the saints. And why did he need to encourage them to contend for the faith? Because the following thing had occurred. For certain men crept in unawares, who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ some people had crept into the church who was departing from the faith that was once delivered unto the saints. And Jude is saying, guys, you, those of you in the church, you need to contend with this. You must contend with it. You can't just ignore it. You can't just shrug your shoulders and go, well, not my problem. You have to contend with it. And if that was true between 55 and 80 AD, it's true in 2022 because there are things that have crept into the church that you need to be made aware of, and you must be contending with it. Because in most cases, unless a pastor is bivocational, and and, and this is, I, I, I in some ways I loved that I when I was bivocational, more than I do now that I, I, I don't I, you know I can spend all day while doing recording. I mean, it's, it's, it's a love-hate relationship. When I was bivocational, I was at work. Monday through Friday, 40 plus hours a week. So I was around people. I had interactions and I could talk to them and and talk about the gospel or spiritual things and had these great conversations. And as a result of that, many people, I mean, a a large portion of the people coming to the church at times were people who I had met at at work and they started coming to church because of my interactions with them. So I had a chance to contend with people about crazy ideas and crazy things. But once I stop being a bivocational pastor, I don't interact with people like that on a regular basis. Now I can interact with crazy emails and YouTube comments, but in most of those cases, I'm not really having a a good interaction. The person is mad at me, already hates me, thinks I'm an idiot, and they're just emailing me to tell me that I'm an idiot and, and they disagree. It's not like a real interaction, like when you work with people and can develop some kind of a relationship. So in most cases the pastor doesn't have the opportunity to really contend with these issues because he's not going to be around the people. It's the church members who go to work and are in, interact with people of all different backgrounds and they have to be the ones to contend with these with things that have crept into Christianity that is departing from the faith. Now as a pastor you have to ensure that none of that creeps into your church so you do have but that's really not an interaction. That's usually like you're preaching against it and warning against it. But it's the average church member who's going to probably run into people and work with people, and you're going to be like, wait, wait, you're reading what? Wait a minute, you're listening to what? Wait a minute, you believe what? That's usually where the contending is going to take place. The pastor's job is to try to beg and plead and equip the church members so that they won't be tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine and they can actually contend with it. And I'm going to be encouraging you to contend with something by making you aware of it. And I wasn't aware of it until about, let's see, what time did I post the message in Discord? Let me see here if I can find in the Discord channel. What time was it? Let me see here. Um, Let's see here. Uh, I posted it at 2.35 p.m. I posted in the Discord channel. Houston, we have a problem. Okay. Because we have a problem because about five or 10 minutes before that, well, I was spending time on the Apple podcast app because I, I, at one time the Apple podcast app was by far my favorite podcasting app. I loved it, loved it, loved it, loved it. I, I sung its praises, and then all of a sudden it went through a period of time that the whole thing went to complete garbage. I don't know what happened. It just went, it just stopped working in any way, shape, or form. So I started using Pocket Cast. I mean, I use, I've got so many podcasting apps on my uh, iPad here. It would take me 30 minutes to go through all of them. Okay, But I started using other ones and and finding other ones to be more useful. But today everything was working great. I'm like, wonderful, great. Maybe the iPod... Apple podcast app is back working correctly. And then I can continue to work on our, we kind of have a channel on the Apple podcast app called theology central. If you, if you look for the theology, theology central, channel on the Apple podcast app you'll see that all of our podcasts are right there within that channel and there's going to be more because if you are using the church one app and you see all of those series we're going to turn each series into its own individual podcast right and we're going to do that for the Apple podcast app just always looking for different ways for people to to find our content the more places you put put it the more con the more Different ways you structure it, the greater chance someone will come across something and then that will possibly have them then, you know, seek everything out. But I was just going through it. So I went to the search tab and I'm like, okay, let's see, browse categories. All right. I have the very first category, of course, because it's the month of June, Pride 2022. So that's going to be podcasts that are very pro-LGBTQ. Okay. Not surprised that's there. Then it has Creators We Love. All right. Then we have the TBH collection. Then we have the Popped collection, charts, comedy, news, kids, family, true crime, society and culture, sports, business, religion, and spirituality. And I'm like, okay. What's happening in the Apple podcasting world when it comes to religion and spirituality? I mean, that's that's something I'm going to be tuned into because, well, I do the podcast called Theology Central. So what's going on in the world of religion and spirituality? And I think all Christians need to know what's going on because you can't contend if you don't know, right? So I, I tapped on it, and I'm like, okay, okay. The Bible in a year. All right. We've done podcast episodes about that. That's still probably the number one religion podcast in the world. Um, Everyone listens to the Bible in a year. Okay. Um, I've got the Bible recap. What else do I have here? I have uh, Deliver Us from Evil. And I don't, this is like some kind of audio novel from iHeart Podcast. I have not listened to it, but I've seen it in a number of places. Jack Hibbs podcast, all right? Uh, Tim Keller, Questioning Christianity, all right? Uh, the Sermon of the Week from Bethel Church in Redding, California, oh boy, okay? That's there. So I'm just going through here going, okay, oh, there's a lot of things here. Okay, I don't know about a lot of these, all right? And I'm just going through, I'm like, all right. Um, right. All right, we, we, we've got everything from astrology, we got very veggie, silly stories. Okay, so I'm just looking through all of these, and some of them I'm like, okay, that looks interesting, and I'm subscribing, 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 subscribing. Okay, I'll subscribe to as you know as many as I can as I can find here, right? So I'm just going through. Oh, there's Elevation Church. Okay, uh, the briefing with Albert Moeller, All right, there's Jill Osteen. Okay, oh, there's Joyce Meyer. Okay, I mean these are the ones you know. Um, course, there's Pastor Rick Warren. Um, which is, you know, he's going to be replaced, and I'm just going through, and I'm like, okay, I, I know, I, I know, and then all of a sudden, I'm like, wait, 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 what? I'm like, wait, no, no, it can't be, it can't be. There's just no way. There's just no way. Houston, we have a problem. Texas, we have a problem. The United States of America, we have a problem. The world, we have a problem, because right there under Christianity, I'm going to tap on it, Jesus Calling. And I'm like, it can't be. And there is the that hand reaching out. Now, if you've been with us, we've been talking about this devotional book that has now sold over 40 million copies called Jesus Calling. 40 million. I, I mean, I, can, I still can't even wrap my mind around that number. And we've looked at the book. We've looked at the original introduction, the new introduction, and we've looked at some of the devotionals contained within it. And what we have found is this thing is—there's I, I, just no way to say it. It's heresy. It is, it is not a good thing. It is a bad thing. Everyone must contend with it, be aware of it, and help anyone you know who loves it, reading it, and thinking it's the greatest thing in the world— if, you, if, the, if all you can do is say, hey, look over there, and when they turn their head, grab the book and just run away, okay, that probably is not the, the best thing to do. What you can do is say, hey, can we talk? Because, hey, I'm really concerned for your spiritual life because that thing you're holding there is spiritual poison. Now, I, you may want to say it in a nicer way, I mean, depending on the relationship you have with the person. But the Jesus Calling podcast, the Jesus Calling book, a couple of problems. Just remember, first, the problem is it clearly rips verses completely out of context, takes verses, for example, that are clearly about and should be applied to those in Babylonian captivity, rip it out of context, and apply it well to everyone. Now, that's common in devotionals, so that that doesn't make it as bad as I've hinted at, but it's definitely taking it in the wrong direction. What makes it so bad is that Jesus calling devotional is supposedly the, contains the words of Jesus because Sarah Young, the author, she decided her prayer life should no longer be a monologue. It should be a dialogue. And she started talking to Jesus in her prayer time and listening to what he said and wrote it down. And what he gave her to say, she wrote down and it well it ends up in a book called Jesus Calling, which she claims it's not inspired scripture, but I don't know what else you would call that. Jesus gave you words, you put them down, and it's in a book. Hey, but they're not inspired. Well, then what are they? If they're not inspired, are they not trustworthy? Are they not really the words of Jesus? And if they're not really the words of Jesus, why do you write Jesus calling from the first person as if it's Jesus speaking? Because if it's not Jesus speaking, but you make it seem that it is Jesus speaking, well, that's blasphemy and, and using his name in vain, and it's deceiving, and it's wrong. Because we don't mess around claiming some words are Jesus if they're not the words of Jesus. So we've been talking about it. But now, (laughs) there's the Jesus Calling podcast. Here is what we read about it. All right? Here's what we read about it. Jesus Calling, Stories of Faith. I did a quick search. You can find the podcast everywhere on almost all podcasting apps. We are going to look something up here in just a minute. But Jesus Calling, Stories of Faith, this is the description in the Apple Podcast app. Millions have been encouraged and inspired by the words of the number one best-selling 365-day devotional, Jesus Calling. Please note, millions have been encouraged. I will say millions have been misled and deceived. Listen, now this is what they say about the podcast. Listen to real life stories of faith as told by those who've experienced the power of living in his presence so it sounds like the the kind of the the main feature of the podcast is it's going to have people tell their stories and you know what it's going to be it's going to be experiential all, all just all day it's going to be an experiential i i experienced this I experienced that. All of these stories of these great spiritual experiences, irregardless if they are consistent with any biblical doctrinal theology. It's not going to be about, you know, it's going to be subjective more than objective. It's going to be emotionalism versus, I'm going to say, biblical word-based theology, all right? So, but if you look at it, here's, I don't know. You may, you may not be discouraged by it. I'm going to be discouraged by it. Currently it has, it has a 4.5 star rating. That's almost perfect. Five, five stars is the highest you can get. It's got a 4.5 star rating with over a thousand rating with over a thousand different uh, reviews and ratings over a thousand. Now that that's that's awesome. Now it's still probably fun that the number of ratings there is probably still very 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 small, considering how many people listen to it. But the thing is, here's I I've tried to tell everyone this, and and you've got to learn this, okay? In the podcasting world, the key to your podcast is discoverability—how people are going to discover you. And one of the ways people discover you is well. The more star ratings you get, the more positive your star ratings get, guess what? The more likely people will discover it. When you're you're scrolling through all of those different podcasts, there's a greater chance your podcast will show up there if it's got 1,000 star ratings, if it's got 500 star ratings. The more star ratings, the more likely the app is going to put it in a place where people can discover it. No star ratings are very few star ratings. You become invisible. So I'm not just saying this for my benefit. I want you to understand this for everyone's benefit. Listen to me carefully. If there is a podcast out there that you think is solid, you think it's biblical, you think it's good, solid theology, please take the time to go to any and every podcast app you can find. If it gives a five, if it's a place to give you a five star rating and a review, give it a five star rating and write, even if it's a very short review, because that's how that podcast is going to be discovered. The thing is, a lot of people don't do that. But guess what? For some weird reason, plenty of people are out there doing it for Joyce Meyer, Joel Osteen, and Sarah Young's podcast, Jesus Calling. Hey, for in many cases, for the I hate to say it. The heretical ones, they seem to have an army of people willing to write reviews and give five-star ratings. And many of the more solid ones, people, those people are like, eh, I, I'm not going to do it. If you don't do it, it it's not going to happen. The Same thing, look, for the Church One app, for the Sermons 2.0 app, please, in your app store, give it a five-star rating and write a positive review. That's where the Sermons 2.0 app or the Church One app can be discovered by more people right? And the sermons 2.0 app. Look, I don't agree with every sermon on the sermons 2.0 app, but at least there's a statement of faith that is very biblical and philological that all the sermons at least has, has to go, go with. So at least gives you a, a greater chance of hearing something biblical versus what where, what other people could find. You, you, you can go a long way in helping people. So please do that. So um, the Jesus Calling—it's—it's it's got over um, a thousand star, uh, a thousand star ratings. I'll just give you an example. I'm just going to type in Theology Central, just to show you Theology Central. All right, Theology Central. I'm going to go to our. Uh, okay, if I if I look for the Theology Central podcast that comes directly from Sermon Audio or the Sermons 2.0 app, it's got no star ratings. At all, zero, none, no reviews at all. Meaning that it will be literally invisible. No one's ever going to find it ever. If you uh, if you if you use Apple Podcasts and you can do a search for Theology Central, find the one that has sermon audio at the bottom and give it a five star rating. That would be the first one and write a review is great. If I go to the one that's that doesn't say sermon audio, just the normal one. Guess what? Um, Oh wait, it doesn't have any star ratings. It has none. Okay, it doesn't appear. If it does have any, I'm not seeing them. Okay. I'm not seeing them anyway place. Uh if they I thought we had some and it's gone. Uh yeah, I don't see that we have any. Um, let me see here. I'm gonna go to. Yeah, we have no ratings. None. Zero. Zero. I think at one point we did. Maybe when they updated their system, all of our star, all of it went away. But if if you can, if you just, I mean, write write a review and give us a five star rating. Without it, we can't be. Dis- I mean, it's just we're invisible to the world. So um, that's just something to consider, and just something that a lot the average person doesn't know. Look, and, and sometimes people will get mad and go, "Man, why why is that? Why is everyone listening to that podcast?" Well. I hate to say this. This is the way it works. The, the success of a podcast typically is, is, is based off the super users, super users, the ones who listen, download, share, write, write reviews, support, whatever the case may be. And uh, well, it's Sarah Young is obviously found all of her uh, super users. Okay, so here's what we're going to do. One other thing we're going to look up. We're going to do this because I think it's important. I'm going to, because we can kind of see where where this podcast sits in the podcasting world. I'm going to put Jesus Calling, Jesus Calling Podcast, and I'm going to look up where we can get a very good idea of where it stands in the podcasting world. Let me see here. Oh, wow. Okay, the Jesus Calling Podcast Okay, we're in the top 10%. We're in the top 10%. That, that put places us above over 2 million other podcasts. So that's a pretty, I, I'm somewhat happy with that accomplishment considering I'm a nobody in the middle of nowhere. Wow, this is, I, there's, there's not even any way to, to, to describe this. Jesus Calling is ranked in the top 0.5% of all podcasts in the world. That is absolutely staggering. That means this podcast is one of the top 0.5 podcasts of most popular shows out of 2,860,067 podcasts globally ranked. Uh, and that means, I mean, that's insane. That's one of the top podcasts in the world. In the top 0.5%. We're in the top 10%. They're in the top 0.5%. And we'll never catch it. I'm not, I'm not even worried about that. I'm just trying to demonstrate to you. It's your interaction and how you support a podcast. If, if you want it to be discovered and you want to be found, you can either support and do what you can to help the biblically sound. And I'm not even saying this about me. Okay, please. I don't want you to under, I don't want you to take it that way. Forget me. Find the other podcast you like. Do everything you can to help them. Or, well, people, when they start looking in religion and, you know, spirituality, or look, looking under the Christian category on some podcast apps, guess what they're going to find? They're going to find Jesus Calling. They're going to find Elevation Church. They're going to find Joel Olstein. They're going to find Joyce Meyer. They're going to find T.D. Jakes. They're going to find Rick Warren. That's what they're going to find. Well, just think— a lot of people today, they don't have a theological framework. They don't have a theological foundation. You know what they have? They have a podcast app. And they just go looking around, and go, I'm curious about the Bible or or God. And they look, oh, oh, there's a podcast. They don't have a clue what one to choose or not choose. They don't, they don't have like, oh, that's bad. So you've got to put the, you've got to do everything you can to help the good ones get up there so that other people can go, wait, okay, what's that's a really different perspective than that other podcast. Now, I know I'm taking a long time with that, but just whenever you look, th- that's important. So what we're going to do is we're going to review an episode from the Jesus Calling podcast. That's what we're going to do. In fact, let me go back and do a search for it again um, because I forgot to save it because I don't want to hit subscribe to it. I don't want to. I don't want to hit subscribe to it. I really don't. Um, we're going to go from the one on that aired on Tuesday. Or, or was posted on Tuesday. I don't know. I have no idea what to expect. I don't listen to it in advance. And I'm, we're just going to get an idea of what's out there. Because my we're just, my job is to let you know what's out there and to inform you. And then we'll we'll talk about it. I don't know how much we're going to listen to, but we'll see. And I do have to give an update. The temperature here in Texas just now went up to 107 degrees. Okay, It's probably because I'm getting irritated even talking about this podcast. Okay, all right, here we go. Are you ready? And I'm not I'm jo- I'm not joking. It's 107 degrees outside right now. That's just hard to even comprehend. But here we go. This is from Tuesday. They're calling this a a bonus episode. Uh, and this, so this would be last Tuesday. For some reason, I'm acting like it's not Monday. So this would have been last Tuesday. Um, and this uh, is a bonus episode episode. I just went with the bonus episode because I'm like, mm, that's interesting. I wonder what they did for a bonus episode. We'll probably have to review two or three of these. Then what we'll do is we'll do a couple more reviewing of some of the devotionals in the book. And then we'll put this all together in a, in a mini series called Jesus Calling so that hopefully when people are looking for things related to Jesus Calling, maybe they'll come across our podcast. And then maybe they'll hear a different perspective. That's what we're we're attempting to do. But are you ready? Here we go. I don't know how much we're going to review, but we'll just review. If you have any questions or any comments as you're listening, please post them in the chat, or you can email them to me at newsif at yahoo.com if you're listening at a later time. Here we go right now. Get daily encouragement sent straight to your inbox with the Jesus Calling daily email. This free email highlights select excerpts from Jesus Calling and other titles from Sarah Young, along with a special passage of scripture to help jumpstart your day. Sign up for free at jesuscalling.com forward slash daily email. All right. So we have the Jesus Calling book. We got the Jesus Calling podcast and now we have the Jesus Calling daily email update of encouragement. I'm not going to sign up for it. Okay. But if you want to, by all means, sign up, go to jesuscalling.com. Um, and I think you can get to the, the email sign up that way as well. Um, by all means, check it out and you can let me know what you discover and what you find out because, uh, Yeah. I, I, I don't, I don't, I think it would not be daily encouragement. I think it would be daily. Um, I'm going to have a seizure. All right, but here we go. Let's now, so that's kind of their little advertisement at the beginning of their podcast. And it's in, yeah, there you go. Just, I guess what I want you to see from that is that they are just absolutely making sure their content is anywhere and everywhere. Books, and email subscriptions that people get a daily a daily section from the book, if I can speak correctly. There's the podcast. Again, Jesus Calling has become a brand, and they're ensuring that their brand is showing up anywhere and everywhere. And let me tell you again, if that brand is heretical, you've got to contend against it. Here we go. Welcome to a special bonus
0: edition
2: of the Jesus Calling podcast featuring multiple guests who have appeared in their own episodes on the Jesus Calling podcast, speaking to how they deal with doubt and fear in their lives. Doubt is a normal part of our experience as humans. When something doesn't line up with the facts as we know them, or when something unforeseen wrecks carefully laid plans, we might find ourselves wondering if God's promises really are true. Many of the stories you'll hear in this episode are from those who face doubt and the fear that comes from not knowing if what you believe is true. And what happened when they took those doubts to God? We'll start with a thought from Pastor Craig Greshel.
1: Okay, so they're going to just bring in a bunch of people who've been, appeared on the podcast. They're going to put all of their little stories together. And when I say little stories, I'm not trying to be demeaning there. They're going to take a, small seg, segments, I guess, from their stories that aired in full on other, pod, on other episodes. They're going to bring them together and they're going to put them under this kind of a theme of, of fear and doubt. So if you have fear and doubt and you bring it to God, then I guess the fear and doubt will go away or all of your, I, I don't know. I don't know how they're going to approach it, but it, it's going to be that kind of idea, that kind of idea. Now, I completely agree that doubt is a real human experience. And I think Christianity has to be able to embrace doubt. I don't like the, the kind of Christianity said, how dare you doubt you have faith. I don't like that. I think you should be able to doubt, struggle and question. Now, what I'm afraid is that this is going to turn into some kind of like a a info commercial where if you do this and this and this, all your doubt goes away and everything will be better. Just follow these three steps and uh, it's going to be very experiential um, instead of biblical. But I could be wrong. Let's see.
3: You know, when I was growing up, if you had any kind of faith doubts around the Christian community you often felt like a lesser Christian, like you were failing in some way. And so I kind of always had the idea that I had to either deny my doubts or suppress my doubts. The longer I've walked with God, the more I realized that sometimes sincere doubts, they're not a weakness, they'll actually lead to more intimate faith with God.
1: Now, this is very important here. And I am glad that they're highlighting this. This this is something, remember, sometimes even in podcasts that I 9,000% disagree with, I can always find something to go, ooh, that's really good. So I, I think this is really good, and here's the reason why. Because I think it's important for every one of us to know. This is so important. If you have someone in your church, someone in your small group, someone in your Sunday school, and you can see that they're just struggling with doubt, Worry, fear, anxiety—they're bothered, they're confused. They don't know where God is. They don't know why God is doing. It. They're just bothered and confused. Some people responded; those kinds of people almost like, "Ooh, I don't want to be around them." And they keep saying they seem to be questioning Jesus, and they be, begin to question the Bible, and and I and and it almost like they get nervous. They don't really want to be around them. They almost kind of withdraw themselves, or they're kind of like you know. Hey, you need you need to start stop saying things like that and you need to give a positive confession because your negative confession is going to bring negativity in your life and they almost are re, are are met with rebuke and people withdrawing from them because that that doubt when when Christians hear some kind of very strong doubt or confusion expressed, many Christians feel like they have to go into Defense mode. They have to go they've got to all of a sudden become a, you know a, a supposed amateur apologist, all of a sudden. That they've got to answer all the questions. And sometimes people would doubt they don't need your simple answers, your Christian cliches, your Christian bumper stickers. You gotta sometimes let them express the pain. Express the confusion, express the doubt, express the bitterness. You've got to let them express it. Again, we talked about this and being able to express it and in, in, in the idea of a biblical lament where you can scream out your pain and your confusion and your doubt. God, where are you? Why have you forsaken me? Why do all these good things happen to people who hate you and I'm trying to serve you and my parent died or my daughter died or this happened or now I have cancer? You have to be able to scream that out, and you don't need. Now, you need to trust in Jesus. All things work together for good. No, no, just, just put your finger down. Stop your little church answer and let the person express that. Now, I'm not saying you leave them there. I'm saying you just let them express it. Let them work through the pain, and then you can be there with a biblical theology to try to help them understand as much as you can biblically with what's happening. But here's the thing, if you don't respond to them in a correct way, they will tend to then walk away from you, walk away from your group, walk away from your church, and they will look for those who will allow them to express that doubt, and in many cases, they walk right into the arms of a very broken theology and a very, uh, how can we say, heretical Christianity. And then they end up being misled theologically. Sometimes the ones with the right theology are the most cold, unloving, hateful, show no mercy, show no compassion, and they think everyone needs the three correct theological answers instead of letting someone deal with the struggle and doubt. Sometimes it's the right theological... Sometimes people with the right theology are the ones who drive people away from right theology, and they will go to those who have wrong theology, who sometimes tends to be more loving and compassionate and understanding and show mercy. And that's something that should make us all go, why is it sometimes those with the right theology are the biggest jerks? And that's something we can have. Here they're like, hey, you know... In other words, this podcast is like, bring your doubts here. Bring your doubts here. Well, yeah, the people are like, I'm going to listen to that. Well, where are they going to end
3: up theologically? I used to think, you know, God would be disappointed with me for my doubts. But now, when I look in scripture, especially in the Old Testament, there's an entire book of the Bible, Lamentations, about lamenting to God. David cried out and didn't understand why God wasn't doing what he thought God should do. Habakkuk literally was mad, disappointed with God. Jesus on the cross said, why, God, are you forsaking me? So now I honestly believe that God is big enough to handle our doubts, may even embrace our questions. And so when we do doubt, instead of disconnecting and running from God, we can actually take our doubts, our questions, our hurts to God. And I believe we can grow stronger in our faith when we do. See, now that's all
1: awesome. Everything there is awesome. I mean, everything there is, it's just, it's kind of funny that we've just been, we've been talking about biblical lament and here they're, they're talking about it recently as well. That's cool. That's awesome. Now, the problem is sometimes those with good theology don't speak that way. So they end up on a podcast like this. Now, and and maybe the podcast is going to turn out to be okay, but we know the Jesus Calling book isn't okay. So this could sound okay, which then could put people, you know what, I probably should buy that book. And well then, so this could be really um, almost an advertisement to get people to a book that would be spiritually damaging. But we'll see. We'll see where they're going to go here.
3: One of the first times that I really struggled with doubts as a Christian, believe it or not, was when I was in seminary. I had a New Testament professor That didn't have a high view of Scripture, which I know sounds weird to a lot of people, but some seminary professors don't. And so he was real critical of God's Word in the New Testament. So I started to have doubts. If the Bible's not true, if I can't trust it, then is everything else not true as well? And I kind of had a moment of panic. My pastor helped walk me through it and told me to keep hanging on to God. And then thankfully, I read this book called Theological Crossfire. It was a debate between Um, Pinnock and Brown, two theologians, one was, had a conservative high view of God's word and the other one was more of a liberal view and they debated. To me, the one who believed in God's word was so convincing that it was almost like God was there with me. (sighs) Okay.
1: I'm going to try not to stand on my soapbox and start screaming to the heavens. I'm going to try not to do that. But you know how many times I've heard this story of someone went off to seminary and that's where they became overwhelmed with doubt and confusion and began to deconstruct or question their faith. There are so many issues with this. First and foremost, you know why that happens? Because the church that you went to did not do any decent job in equipping you. Because you, the church is to equip you so that you cannot be tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine. I still don't know what happens in churches, but you hear this all the time. Uh, I, I, I went to church. My whole life, went to a Bible college or seminary, and boom, I heard all this stuff I've never heard before about textual variants or this or that, about the formation of the canon. And I'm like, oh, no, what do I do? My f- and it's like, what were you doing in church? I-, I bet you you didn't miss a potluck. I bet you didn't miss a fellowship. I bet you, I bet you didn't miss a, uh, you know, a-, a church picnic or a church hayride or a church Easter egg hunt or a church pizza party or all the other garbage your church was doing instead of equipping you. And I know your church wasn't equipping you because guess who should be giving you your Bible in seminary education? It should be the local church, not you go off and have to spend thousands of dollars to supposedly get an education that in many cases is actually calling into question the very faith that you're going to school to learn to preach. Does not any, does anyone not ever realize the problem there? And then what did, his pastor was like, you know, I'll try to encourage you. Your pastor should have been like, Drop out of seminary, come here, and I'll train you for ministry. We'll give you a theological education, a practical education. You can see ministry at at, at work. You can be a part of it. I, I still don't understand why we still have the seminary industrial complex in place. I will never understand how that happened. The church completely just ignored its responsibility to equip people for ministry, that's the church's job, right? It just that we, we, we just neglected it. Like, not our problem. Not our problem. You go off to Bible college, go off to seminary, go there. They'll train you. Okay. Well, we aren't you a pastor? Why wouldn't you be training the men? Why wouldn't you be training them? Why not? No, but but some people are like, oh, I've got to have that that fancy degree from some big s- school. Or I won't be able to get a job, or as a pastor. Well, if a churches won't hire you, and they're only hiring you because of the diploma that you have, that's a that's a train wreck. Tell the church, no, I don't have the diploma. Give me the theological test. Ask me the theological questions. You don't you don't think my, my diploma or certificate is good enough because I was ordained and I was trained at a local church? You should be able to say, give me the test. Ask me the theological questions. Ask me the biblical questions. Because I've seen plenty of people go to seminary and you're like, what in the world are you talking about? What? I'm, I'm so tired of hearing these stories. So in his case, his doubt was created by seminary. And his pastor was like, I'll encourage you. Your pastor should have said, I'll train you. I will equip you. I will ordain you. You can do ministry here, and then we'll help you. I'll help you find a church that needs a pastor, or we'll help start a church in a low place where there's not a good one. I I I just don't understand why. I I don't know what's happened to the church, and I, it's like we need an in, industrial complex. We need we need seminaries that turn into businesses because, and, and then you get in all kinds of debt. We, we, so therefore you can't go off to a small church. You got to find a bigger church to pay the bills. And then it, all oh, it's just, the whole thing is so fleshly, carnal. It's money. It's, it's, it's about prestige. It's about name. It, all oh. to me, it doesn't look anything like the New Testament church. It doesn't even feel like the New Testament church at that point.
3: You know, as a pastor, I'm always thankful for any great resource that strengthens people. And uh, Jesus Calling Daily Devotional is probably one of the top resources that I've had so many people talk about how it has completely revolutionized their spiritual life with God.
1: Okay, I think what would you... I don't, did you just see this, the uh, bait and switch? Hey, we're going to do a podcast about people's faith and doubt, about, about their fear and doubt, right? So he tells a little story, doesn't go into great detail, right? He, he went to seminary, he ended up with doubt, read a book, boom, it was saw. And then all of a sudden he immediately switches into I- info commercial. Hey, I found that the best resource is the Jesus Calling devotional. I can't tell you how many people s- s- saw this was revolutionary, transformative. Whoa, whoa, wait, what, what just happened? Is this a podcast episode or is this a commercial This sounds like this is a commercial to get people to go buy the book. So if, if the podcast is nothing more than an extended uh, commercial, why does it have that many positive star ratings? Like he just told a story and in real, without really taking it apart, he was like, boom, Jesus calling. That's, that's the devotional that will fix everything. I look the Jesus Calling devotional is not. Go- I don't even know how anyone could even claim it fixes anything. Even if I didn't hold to the philological positions that I that I have, right? That I reject Jesus speaking outside of the Bible, and I'm against anything that even with it comes in a thousand miles of the charismatic world. Even even if I did not reject my, uh, even if I did not have my philological perspective and did not reject the theological perspective that Jesus Calling Disciples De- devotional came from even if i was on in their side on their side the devotional is it's it's empty it's vain there's nothing there it's it there's no substance there's just the there's no theology there's no doctrine there's nothing it's just empty words i i, I, I wow okay and this is the num- the best resource this is the best resource as a pastor that you can come up with Hey, the best resource I can come up with with people's fears and doubt is the Jesus Calling devotional. That's like saying you saw someone on fire, and the best thing you could do is, wow, that looks like it hurts. That's literally what someone has fear and doubt, and you're like, here's the Jesus Calling devotional. That's about as useless as me seeing someone on fire going, wow, that looks like it hurts. No, they need, someone on fire needs Water and medical treatment they need a fire extinguisher and they need to be rushed to the hospital. they need 911 called. Someone dealing with fear and doubt needs something far better than the Jesus calling devotional. I didn't know this is just going to turn into a commercial all right let, let's let's see what else
3: how far they go with this the, the most common thing I hear is that it builds this real intimate faith in prayer. So many people find it difficult to pray. God. They don't know how to pray. They don't know how to listen to God. And Jesus calling takes people on a real journey to where prayer is not something you do, it's, an, it's a conversation. It's intimate. It's highly relational. And uh, I'm so thankful for all the lives that have been changed by the work of God, His Spirit, through Jesus calling. What's so meaningful to me today is that my trust in the authority of God's word isn't just blind. It's one that was strengthened through a season of doubt. And that's why I really encourage people, don't see your doubts as something negative that God won't allow. The truth is, on the other side of it, you can have a stronger and a more intimate faith in God.
0: CEO
2: of It Cosmetics, Jamie Kern Lima.
0: I grew up watching Oprah in my living room every day, <laughs> and kind of from the time I was little, I always thought I would, I would interview other people for, and share their stories with the world. Now, When I found out I was adopted by surprise in my late 20s, I, I went on this five-year journey of trying to find my birth mom, and I had very little info on the paperwork, and I didn't even know if it was actually factual or not, but I called thousands and thousands of women over a five-year period and i would just get hung up on because everyone kind of thought it was a telemarketer but then we eventually connected and we eventually met in person and and now have a relationship and the first thing that she ever gave me um, was a few photos of the family and jesus calling which I already own. I've had it for years and I've, you know, I've been gifted it also. And then I have the app as well, but I love that Jesus calling for a lot of people is how they're able to connect and build their own faith. Gotcha.
1: This is a commercial. This is a commercial. I guess now we know there's a Jesus calling app. Oh my goodness it never, it's never going to end. It's like a flood. It's like, it's just spreading across. It's like a virus that we cannot get under control. I thought we were going to deal with the book. Now we got to deal with the podcast. Now we have the Jesus calling app. What's next? I I don't, the Jesus calling brain implant. I don't know, but, oh, oh my goodness gracious. Okay. Let's see what else they're going to say here.
0: It up in so many ways in my life. But one of those ways actually uh, started on a day I was completely unexpecting it, which was our biggest breakthrough we've ever, ever had. And also one of the greatest lessons I've learned in life, which was after years of hearing no, I was at this trade show down to no money at all. And It's this big beauty expo in New York City and there are 6,000 women there. It's called Cosmetic Executive Women. So I signed us up for cosmetics. No one had heard of us, right? I signed us up and I'm like, I'm going to enter because I thought, you know, if you win one of their awards, then you'll get pressed, but also you might get picked up by retailers. And so I entered this beauty show. I'm standing there at this three foot table that you're not allowed to leave. And you're supposed to demonstrate your product as, as the thousands of people pass by. And I'm at this show and I see QVC as this huge booth in the background. And I'm like, Oh my goodness. And I'm so focused on, on getting to that booth. Cause I was like, if I can meet somebody in person, maybe, maybe. they'll give us a chance. And I got away and snuck over to the QVC booth and I met a buyer and I poured my heart out to her. I was like praying for the right words. I felt sweat dripping down my body and I was just like freaking out because I had no money. I didn't know how we were going to stay alive. The buyer was really nice. She gave me her card and said, we can have a meeting. And I thanked her and I walked away and I didn't know if she meant it, of course, but I went back to my booth and I was continuing demonstrating the product and all of a sudden, about an hour later, a woman comes up to me and she introduced herself and she said, you know, hello, my name is Miss Lisa Mason. I'm a QVC show host. And I want to let you know, you know, we were talking earlier and I tried your product and I just looked at her and it didn't register with me that we had spoken earlier because I was so distracted. And she goes, I just want to let you know, I love your product so much. I think our QVC gals at home really need this. So I just went over to our head buyer and I told her that she needs to give you a chance. And I looked at her and I literally started sobbing with like, right there. Tears started streaming down my face. We got one shot. We got a meeting at QVC. We got, one chance, which meant we got this 10-minute window to go live on their air. And, you know, they broadcast live on television to 100 million homes, and we had this one shot to either hit their sales goal or not come back. And now at the time, we were selling two to three orders a day on our website, barely keeping the lights on. And they let us know we had to we had to sell over 6,000 units of our concealer in this 10-minute window to hit their goal or not come back. And so I flew to QVC a week early before our one chance, and I sat in the parking lot all alone in a rental car, praying, crying, asking God to take it from me because it felt so heavy. It came down to this moment where I just imagined, like, who is it? that's going to be watching me. Like if I'm going to go live in a hundred million homes and for some reason I kept imagining like a single mom folding laundry in Nebraska who had forgotten. She's too busy to even remember she matters and that she's beautiful. And I was like, you know what? Like I would rather show real women all ages, shapes, sizes, skin challenges, skin tones. And if the single mom in Nebraska is going to give me two seconds of her time and she turns on her television, even if she buys nothing, I would rather have her see women who look like her and me calling them beautiful and meaning it than than sell a ton of product and stand for nothing. And so I knew what I had to do.
1: I I don't even know what to say. This is one of the top. Christian podcast. Remember, 0.5%. It's in the top 0.5%. It's above over 2 million podcasts in the world. And this is what people tune into for spiritual edification, theology. What is this? What is this? So is is the story going to be, see, if your business is about to go out, you don't have no money, and you're at the end of your rope, you just pray to Jesus, and boom, you'll be a success. Well, you know how many people have begged and plead, pleaded with God, and their business turned bankrupt? They lost everything. They lost their home. And so, I, 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 oh, boy, these stories, these stories. This is the thing that drove me crazy with the Experiencing God book. Oh, man. That book had all this kind of stuff in it that drove me crazy. All right, I'm, I'm we're just gonna. I don't know what to say. I mean, like. How- this is just a story about someone's business success. I'll wait for the theology to come in, I mean, or the lack thereof. And I guess somehow, is it, I, I guess it's going to turn back to it's the Jesus Calling book that fixed the problem. Hey, whatever problem you're having, all you need to do right now, you go to your phone, you go to your computer, and you order Jesus Calling, and all of your problems will go away. I don't know. I hope it's not going there, but we will see.
0: That one airing turned into five that year and 101 the next year. And eventually, we built the biggest beauty brand in KBC's history. In my own journey, I think there's probably no way I could have gotten through the things like years of rejection to find my birth mom, or years of rejection to, you know, build the big company, or even just faith that I could eventually learn to hear what God says about me instead of my own self-doubt, my own inner critic says about me, right? I think that if I really tried to carry it all on my own, I don't think I could have done it. And I think going forward, I think this is the lifelong journey. I literally end my prayer by saying, and God, by the way, uh, if you could please prove me wrong, because I'm doubting that you exist. And I'd really appreciate it if you prove me wrong beyond a shadow of a doubt. In Jesus name, amen. Like I would literally end my prayers that way in my head. And he did. And he has. And he continues to do that.
1: See, Hey, Jesus, prove to me that you're real. By Making me a millionaire, okay? making me the largest successful cosmetic company in QVC history. And then I'll believe in you. All right. Yeah. I, I, is that the thing? What is it about a generation seeking a sign? I, I, I don't know. What, what do I know? What do I know? CNN anchor, Christy Paul. I
2: grew up in Bellevue, Ohio, which is a tiny little town smack between Toledo and Cleveland. And my dad was an attorney. My mom was a teacher. I have one brother who's six years younger than me, and I would not change a thing about where I grew up.
1: please note the last story there were there's no Bible, there's no theology. it's just hey hey guys i i w- I kept ending my prayer like hey jesus, i you know I'm doubting that you're real, you know, show me that you're real and then of course, now she believes he's real because I guess because she becomes the you know this and has a company now that's the most successful in QVC history when it comes to cosmetic or makeup or whatever the case may be. I mean, what is that? Like, I mean, she didn't even bother to offer any Bible or theology. She didn't, I mean, what, what is, oh my goodness. This is, this is, and people want, and, and let me make it clear. This is what makes me so upset with so much of the evangelical world. The evangelical world is out there yelling and screaming. The problem is Disney. The problem is the LGBTQ world. The problem is critical race theory. The problem is Democrats. The problem is that The problem is inside the church. You're listening to it. This is the call coming from inside the church. Jesus calling. It's crept inside the church. One of the most successful, the most successful Devotional. I mean, forty million copies sold. I don't think there's ever been a devotional that sold that much. I mean, uh, the Purpose Driven Life or the Purpose Driven Church. I think sold thirty million copies. The Late Great Planet Earth by Hal Lindsey. I think was like thirty million. This blows away. I would have to look up all the numbers. Blows away anything. This podcast in the top zero point five percent of Christian of all podcasts. Forget Christian. This has transcended the Christian world. It's It's everywhere. Like, what is this? This is inside the church. Inside your, possibly your church. People in your church who either listen to this podcast or have the Jesus Calling devotional thinking. It's amazing. It's amazing. I
2: mean, it was rural Ohio. And I had some of the best friends. I dated... A guy, my sophomore year, who had kind of a Jekyll and Hyde personality. He could be very good to me, but he cheated on me, and he could be manipulative. And he did slap me across the face once in the middle of the hallway at school, and I remember that humiliation. And I said I would never allow that to happen to me again. And then I went and married somebody who did even worse. And it was one of those things where you think, how did I get here? It started pretty early. I mean, there were things that happened, the yelling, the screaming, the punching of walls, the threats, before we even got married. And I I can look back and go, why did I do that? I've learned to be forgiving of myself But it took me a lot of years to get there. I was thousands of miles away from anybody that I knew. I knew nobody in Boise at the time. So when they talk about abusers, it was really the perfect storm because I came into the relationship out of some really heavy emotional stuff that was going on already. And now the only person I have is him it's the isolation that they talk about. Abusers will try to isolate you. If something happened and I wanted to go home to see my parents and he looked at me and he said, I'm your family now. You don't need to be going home every time you're hurt about something. The night that got really bad, he was yelling at me and telling me that I didn't love him. He came home drunk and he threw his wedding ring at me and he said I don't even want to be married to you I'm sorry I ever did it I'm leaving and he threw me up against the wall and he put his hand around my throat and he said I'm going to bash your head into this wall and then he punched the wall right next to me you know close enough to my head that I could feel the you know swoosh of the fist and then heard obviously the crash of it into the wall and then he just stood there and looked at me and he didn't say anything but he looked at me as if he was trying to say I missed this time I won't miss again at some point I called a friend of mine in Boise and I told her what happened and I told her I was scared and I asked her if I could come to her house and she talked me out of it She was somebody that worked with both of us. She had the best of intentions I know. I think she didn't know what to do. I don't blame her. People don't know what to do in those situations sometimes. So I stayed. And then we moved to Phoenix and I thought, okay, maybe this will be a new start. Maybe this will be okay. And the same kind of things kept happening. The manipulation, one night it, it all just blew up. And he was screaming, and he said he was going to leave. And it was the first time I didn't try to stop him. And then it really blew up. And he did leave. I went and sat in a church parking lot in Phoenix. And I sobbed, and I prayed. And I said, God, I just don't know what you want me to do. And Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart, Lean not on your own understanding. (sighs) I went, okay, you know, follow him and I will direct your paths. Give it to me, Christy. I think the hardest part of being in a relationship like that is determining whether you're going to stay or go. Once you make the decision, it's still hard, but it's easy because you know you're doing the right thing. And I say this about women a lot. My own observation of of women and people that I've talked to have been in that situation. We will do everything possible to fix it. We will do everything we can to remedy it, to put it back together, to glue everything, all of the pieces back that shattered. But once we're done, we're done. And I knew that I was done in that moment i didn't know how it was going to work i didn't know how i was going to leave safely i didn't know where i was going to go i didn't know what i was going to do i just knew i was going to do it
1: and i did now we'll jump in here horrible situation horrible story um I will say this because, because whenever I hear when I'm like, I mean, obviously there, there's everything about the Jesus calling thing I'm condemning. I, I'm obviously I'm not going to condemn anything at this point because there's a horrible story of a woman who is being abused. But I will say this and turn the the criticism towards conservative churches that are strong, bi- biblical theology, biblical doctrine. They, they teach good theology. Those churches have to be a shelter and a place of help and rescue for women in abusive relationships. Uh, we, we have we've seen that too many times that in very conservative, very sp- supposedly good biblical theology, they don't end up being the place the woman can go to for help or shelter. I mean, we, we can talk about the horrible situation that happened in the John MacArthur church where the woman's being abused. She she goes to the church, and then they tell her to go back to the husband. She decides she doesn't want to. They excommunicate the wife and find out that the man is sexually abusing the children. He ends up going to prison, and they still, they still haven't uh, lifted the church discipline on the wife, and they supported the husband even when he went to prison. A horrible, horrible example. And sometimes it's conservative churches that seem to have such good doctrine, theology, and preaching, which is the last place a woman who's being abused can go. And that shouldn't, so they end up having to go to something that's more heretical or liberal. And that shouldn't be the way it is. Good biblical theology should not make us condescending, cold, unloving, unmerciful jerks who are not there to help and support and protect women who are being abused. It should not work that way. And that's a whole podcast in itself, why sometimes it seems to work that way. We're going to let this story at least finish.
2: Everything works together. I went back to therapy. I felt humiliation and shame I think that when you're in an abusive situation, the first time something happens, you accept the apology because we love them. We want to give them the benefit of the doubt. We've seen good in them. Then it happens a second time, a third time. And every time it happens after that, you realize, but I let it happen. I let it happen again and again and again. So the bricks of shame that sit on your shoulders just get heavier and heavier and heavier with every episode, every abusive episode that happens. You know, God wants us to be who he created us to be, and living in an abusive relationship is not going to create you to be the person you're supposed to be. I tell people all the time, you were not born to be abused. But God can take really horrible situations and make something really good out of them. Yes, it happened to you. It shouldn't have happened to you. But you also shouldn't let it affect the rest of your life. Because... All
1: right. Now, I have to I have to jump in here because this is the thing that kind of bothers me sometimes about Christianity. Because Christianity never seems to see the contradiction and our, and our thinking, I, I it's like Christians are oblivious to this and I don't understand why. There's like some kind of a mental block. So here's the way it is. You're in a horrible situation. You're being abused. You're being beaten. You're Whatever horrible thing you go through, hey, God has a way of fixing it. God, turn to God. Well, wait a minute. God obviously let it happen. God didn't intervene to stop it. God didn't do anything to prevent it, but you're, go, you're telling me to go to God to fix it. He didn't do anything to stop it in the first place. He didn't do anything to prevent it in the first place. We, we always seem to, like, we never seem to realize that. We, we sell that God is the answer to fix it and solve it, but we never seem to deal with the, the theological issue. But wait a minute. God knew it was going to happen. God didn't stop it. God didn't prevent it. But now God is going to be the one to fix it. God is going to be the one to solve it. It's really weird. It's like, so God just lets, hey, you're being beaten. You're being abused. And God just stands to the sidelines. And then when you finally say, God, help me. Okay, now I'll step in. Well, he watched it happen, and then you could get into the eternal decrees of God, God's providence. It raises serious theological issues, but some Christians just seem oblivious to all of those theological implications. They just think it's, "Hey, just Jesus will fix your problem." Uh, it, they're, they're, it's not that simple. I don't know why Christians never realize this. Hey, if you're, if you're, if, if you know, yeah, yeah. There's just so many issues like. I know that horrible thing happened to you, but turn to God, and don't you realize someone could say, "But yeah, but your God didn't stop it. Your God didn't intervene. Your God that like it, someone could uh, ask some very difficult questions. Christianity seems a lot of Christianity seems very content to never have to scratch the surface to those hard questions. It's like just we throw out little bumper sticker answers and they don't really, it doesn't really answer anything. If someone is willing to ask just a couple of tough questions. Cause you don't deserve that.
2: My mom gave me Jesus calling several years ago. I was just in a horrible place. And I always say Jesus calling transformed my life. I needed to hear God speak to me the way Sarah writes
1: His words. Wow. Wow. Okay, I got to take a deep breath here. First, this woman suffered abuse. That is horrible. That is wrong. And I feel bad. And hopefully she's gotten help and she's gotten past it. and She's escaped it. And she never has to go through it again. But I cannot allow that to stop me from offering critique here of what she just said because it's theologically just blasphemous that that someone give her Jesus calling. Again, everyone's using the word. It's transformative. So already, I'm, I'm already concerned, but please note that she needed to hear from God and it was the way Sarah Young wrote his words. Let's back this up. Let's hear this Again, this is crazy. And
2: I always say Jesus calling transformed my life. I needed to hear God speak to me the way Sarah writes his
1: words. I needed to hear God speak to me the way Sarah Young writes his words. Sarah Young can say all she wants that it's not inspired scripture. Someone just said on the Jesus Calling podcast that Sarah Young writes his words. The devotional is basically what she's, what Sarah Young claims to be the words Jesus gave her. Literally, Jesus Calling is becoming a, an alternative Bible. Oh, oh! she still uses, she still puts scripture in it, but she didn't write his words in some unique, when, when it just has the scripture there, it's just the scripture. But the rest of the, the whole devotional is not scripture. The devotional is supposedly words from Jesus, as we've already talked about in previous episodes. She just says, Sarah Young writes, wrote, wrote the words of Jesus in the devotional. She wrote the words of Jesus. This woman needed to hear from Jesus, and Sarah Young wrote his words in Jesus calling. That if that doesn't send off every alarm system in the in the entire body of Christ, then I don't even know anymore. I mean, the the evangelical church is finished. It's done. It's just, it's over. It's over. Just, it's, you're going to say that's hyperbolic. It sold 40 million copies for crying out loud. This is one of the number one podcasts in the world. It
2: helped me remember my worth. And you think, oh, I've gone through this therapy and I've gotten through so much of it. It still pops up.
1: Please note, it made her see her worth, not his worth. That's a major theological distinction. Does Christianity show us our worth, or does Christianity show us his worth? They never
2: go away. So Jesus calling his probably been one of the most gifted books I have ever given to people. I just hand it out because it transformed my life.
1: She hands out Jesus Calling because Jesus Calling transformed her life. Not Scripture. Jesus Calling transformed her life and she hands out Jesus Calling, which is a I'm telling you, it's a substitute Bible because it claims to have the words of Jesus in it. I, I keep trying not to say this. This feels like some great satanic deception. That's what it really feels like. I know that that's going to sound sensational and over dramatic, So maybe I shouldn't. Okay, I'll just say this. There's something that doesn't make sense to me how it can sell this many copies, the podcast be listened to by this many people, and everyone talks about how transformative it is. You look at the book. I don't know how it that would transform anything. It seems meaningless to me. We'll, re, we'll review some more devotionals from the book coming up. Uh, not today. Well, maybe this evening. Maybe this evening. I've got to figure out how I'm going to work the rest of the evening out and doing live broadcast. But we're going to try to get some more done. But this... Okay. We're going to let this woman finish and then we'll, we'll stop. And
2: I hope that it does for other people too, because I think it gives us a very different voice, a new voice, a very personal voice between our hearts and Jesus's words. And I just want everybody to know God is for you. We don't trust ourselves coming out of something like that. We don't trust ourselves to make a sound decision, but I learned that a healthy relationship will never require you to sacrifice your friends or your dreams or your dignity. We find the strength to be transparent and share our stories. We can help each other get through it. This is not about me. This is about God telling people, you are worth it. I am for you. Just trust me.
1: Speaker. There you have it, that, that, that Jesus calling gives us a, a voice of Jesus that we need. It's not giving you the voice of Jesus. It's giving you the voice of Sarah Young. It's giving you made up words that claim to be the words of Jesus. And when someone claims to give you the words of Jesus that are not found in the scripture, that's not the words of Jesus. That is a deception. That is a fraud. Praise God this woman got out of the abusive situation. Praise God that it sounds like now she's safe and secure. Praise God for all of that. That's awesome. Great. I'm so glad she's out of it. But I feel horrible that she is now bought into a theology that is completely bankrupt and corrupt. Wow. You can listen to the rest of this episode. Just find the Jesus Calling Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Look for the episode from last Tuesday, I believe. Let me open up the Apple Podcast app really quick. Uh, Let me do a search. Go to Jesus Calling. Give me one second. I closed it out. There it is, Jesus Calling. As soon as you type in Jesus, it's there. Uh, And it is from, yeah, last Tuesday. It's called Bonus, Trusting God Through Fear and, and Doubt. And please note... Every story, the conclusion of the story is hey, Jesus calling is transformative jesus jesus calling it, it, this is it's basically just an episode that's a commercial it's just a commercial for the book wow and just remember there's a Jesus calling app this thing is everywhere, but we're an hour and sixteen minutes um I think, I mean, there's probably more, I, I'm afraid to listen to any more of the stories. And I think this gives you an idea of what all of the podcasts are, their stories. Now, what I would be interested to, to, to explore, and if you want to do this and let me know that you did this, go listen to some episodes and just see if every, because it looks like in every episode, it's someone telling stories about what they went through. I would be interested in, does every story end Or somewhere in the middle about they received Jesus Calling and it was transformative. Jesus, hey, this is my horrible story. Jesus Calling was transformative. This is my horrible story. Jesus Calling was transformative. Is the entire podcast nothing more than just a, uh, a commercial for the book? And that would make the podcast just as worthless as the book, in my estimation. I know that's gonna hurt someone's feelings, but I look, I there have been there are plenty of theology, there's plenty of books written in the in the history of Christianity that I strongly disagree with. I'm like, this is a train wreck, this is a mess. But at least I feel like there's there's some substance there. There's something there. There's something I can at least go, that's wrong. That I, I can at least criticize Jesus calling. Whenever we do the podcast episodes where we've critiqued some of the of the devotionals, I'm just left with that's it. That's it. That's it. I mean, I I don't even know. Like, there's nothing there to grab on to. It, it's so just I the fact that it sold 40 million copies and the fact so many people are talking about how transformative it is, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. Now I know they would claim, yes, because it's of God. And I'm gonna say, no, because something else is at work. Because if it was of God, it wouldn't be claiming to give me the words of Jesus that aren't the words of Jesus. And it wouldn't be ripping scripture so far out of context that it no longer even resembles what it actually was originally meant for. All right, I'll stop there. You can email me your thoughts, newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. That's newsif at yahoo.com. Contend for the faith. Because the problem has entered inside the church, and Jesus Calling is just one example of many. Thanks for listening.